Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Debrief on ABC News Live. I'm Kimberly Brooks. Thanks so much for joining us. Breaking news today, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange was arrested outside of the embassy in Ecuador. Plus, we got to talk about these snow blizzards, uh, record-breaking snow in different parts of the country. Plus, if you're a golf fan, then you're living your best life today because the 2019 Masters are here. But first, here are your headlines. Cheers in the streets of Sudan. Sudan's military announced President Omar al-Bashir, who ruled the country for nearly three decades, was arrested. The defense ministry appearing on state TV to declare the army was taking over for the next two years, suspending the constitution and closing borders and airspace. Anti-government protesters had flooded the streets with hopes of transitioning to a civilian government. Great Britain getting a Brexit extension from the EU till Halloween. Prime Minister Theresa May. What this extension enables us to do is to go through the process that we've set up to enable Parliament to come to a majority opinion on the way forward so that we can get that deal ratified and leave the European Union. And I want to do that as soon as possible. If we're able to do that before the 22nd of May, then we don't have to hold those European parliamentary elections. American Media Incorporated says it's looking into selling the National Enquirer. Tabloid is under fire for paying hush money to a former Playboy model to help Donald Trump in his 2016 presidential campaign. A house with ties to an American gangster is no longer for sale. Al Capone's family's home in Chicago just sold for $226,000, more than double the asking price. The mobster moved into the house in 1923, two years before he took over the Chicago outfit. All right, as I said, breaking news today, dramatic footage. Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks and perhaps the world's most famous whistleblower, uh, he was arrested and removed from the Ecuadorian embassy in London on behalf of the U.S. Now, we have team coverage on this story, but I want to start with David Wright, who's outside the court in London. Uh, David, can you sort of recap how this arrest went down today? Sure, Kimberly. Uh, Julian Assange is still inside the Westminster Magistrates Court here, and he's had his first uh, court hearing. This was on the issue of jumping bail, which is what uh, led him to that Ecuadorian embassy seven years ago. Seven years ago, he was wanted on sexual assault charges from Sweden, also suspected in connection with the WikiLeaks document dump, uh, the one that uh, ended up with the trial of Chelsea Manning. Uh, but the immediate concern was that a sexual assault charge in Sweden uh, he jumped bail rather than face charges, sought asylum inside the Ecuadorian embassy, and he's been in the Ecuadorian embassy ever since, kind of an unwelcome house guest. Uh, he was granted protection from the Ecuadorian government, even granted citizenship a number of years ago. But there has since been a change of government in Ecuador, the new government, the new president, friendlier to the U.S., eager to kind of mend fences. And it seems part of that may be have the, have, was this decision this morning uh, to basically remove Ecuador's protection. They signaled to the British police that uh, Assange was there and able, uh, they were able to arrest him. Uh, and so they frog marched him out this morning. All right. And so what's happening now? You're outside of the court. So what exactly are we waiting for? 
So this was the first of many court hearings. This one specifically on the issue of jumping bail. It did not go well for Assange. The judge was not sympathetic at all to his excuse for the reason that he jumped bail, saying that it was laughable. Uh, the judge also described him as a narcissist. Uh, and so that's, uh, he's now been remanded to custody. He will be taken here, from here to a, a prison facility where he'll be held. On May 2nd, he'll face another court hearing on the extradition proceedings to the U.S. In the U.S., he's wanted in connection with basically a hacking charge, conspiring with Chelsea Manning uh, to uh, steal files from the Department of Defense. And that those are documents that WikiLeaks released nearly 10 years ago now that were deeply embarrassing uh, to U.S. authorities. And authorities have wanted uh, to extradite him to the U.S. to face charges on that ever since. Manning did face charges, uh, was later pardoned. Uh, now it's Assange's turn. But in order to be facing trial in the U.S., he'll have to be extradited from Great Britain first. And one major question that the courts here will want to know is, is there even a possibility that he could face the death penalty uh, for basically espionage, treason uh, in the United States. And if that were the case, then that could pose a stumbling block uh, to his extradition because Britain and the rest of Europe do not believe in the death penalty. Wow. All right, uh, David, thank you so much. I want to stick with this story. Uh, I want to bring in Terry Moran in the D.C. Bureau. Terry, can you just remind people of who Julian Assange is and why this is so important to the U.S.? Well, he's an Australian national who did tremendous damage to U.S. national security interests uh, back in 2010 and before, where he published a trove of documents uh, that exposed the diplomatic cables uh, passed around by diplomats, top secret cables that revealed how the United States was doing its business around the world. And sometimes it revealed lies by the United States government, sometimes misconduct, especially in Afghanistan and Iraq. And so he has been in the crosshairs of American law enforcement ever since. Uh, he has also, however, uh, gone on in 2016 to play a major role in the victory of Donald Trump. There's just no doubt about it. Assange favored Trump. Uh, he hated Hillary Clinton. He made no no bones about it. He published uh, the uh, leaks from the hacks of the Democratic National Committee and John Podesta's emails, which uh, the U.S. government believes were originally hacked by Russian military intelligence and given to WikiLeaks. And if you go back and check, you know, yeah, he's a whistleblower and a bit of a vandal. How many of his leaks were ever targeted against Russia? One of the Syrian of cables out of Syria. And how much damage did it do? Not much. There are credible reports he turned down leaks <clears throat> about Russia's crimes in Ukraine. Uh, who Julian, <clears throat> excuse me, who Julian Assange is and who he is uh, close to are, are questions that remain open and could be answered in a trial in the United States. It wouldn't be espionage, however. Right now, he's just, he's just charged with conspiracy to hack a computer, a crime that carries five years penalty. And it's, it's interesting you're mentioning him liking uh, President Trump because the Trump administration has been a bit more aggressive in going after him than the Obama administration, correct? Very much so. So Donald Trump famously said, I love WikiLeaks. And, and he trumpeted WikiLeaks damaging leaks against Hillary Clinton. But as president, he's been far tougher than the Obama administration. The Obama administration did not want to go after Julian Assange because he could make a First Amendment argument that he was a journalist publishing material 
Uh, the Trump administration does not intend to uh, treat him that way. They believe that he's a criminal who hacked into computers, and being a journalist gives you no excuse for that. Uh, so the, he, they, he was, President Trump has been much tougher than President Obama, and it looks like for those who believe that the Trump campaign was in league with WikiLeaks and the Kremlin, which the Mueller report seems to have uh, discredited to some degree, if, if that's true, the worst place for Julian Assange, for Donald Trump, is talking to federal prosecutors in federal custody. So we will get to the bottom of this uh, to some degree in the coming months if, in fact, he's extradited. All right, and I just want to bring David back in really quick because, David, you had mentioned uh, him being an unwelcome house guest. What do you mean by that? Explain that for us. Well, this is a guy who walked into that embassy seven years ago, uh, sought asylum, and basically couldn't leave. They couldn't even bring him from there to the airport to bring him back to Ecuador, even though he got Ecuadorian citizenship. And he was, by all accounts, not the most... Uh, not the cleanest of people. Uh, he was known to bluster around, uh, not bathing very frequently. In one case, by one report, he, he rubbed feces on the wall. Um, and so uh, a lot of folks in that embassy are not too sorry to see him go. All right. So, so David, uh, we're going to move on right now because we're going to listen to the lawyers right now. Uh, they're talking live. President, uh, we don't want uh, this to go forward. This has to, has to uh, be uh, averted. The UK government needs to make a full assurance that a journalist will never be extradited to the United States for publishing activity. This pertains to publishing work nine years ago. Publishing of documents, of videos, of the killing of innocent civilians, exposure of war crimes, this is journalism. It's called conspiracy. It's conspiracy to commit journalism. So this has to end. And we urge everybody to support Julian Assange in, to, in fighting this extradition. Thank you. Oh, what, what, what legal avenues are available to you to prevent his extradition? We will be uh, contesting and fighting extradition. We've requested that he now sit, gets medical treatment. He's been refused medical treatment for the past seven and a half years, since, seven years since being inside the embassy. We will be fighting extradition, and he'll be brought before the court again within the next month. We're not going to be taking any more questions today. Thank you very much. You are asking about the, the elements in the, the extradition request. It is quite obvious that uh, the U.S. authorities have picked uh, just one element of what they have been working on for a long time, including the Espionage Act. All right. So right there, you were listening to Julian Assange's lawyers. And I want to go back to David and Terry really quick, just to get your final thoughts. Um, David, what do you think? Well, there's another vantage point on Assange. Uh, these protesters who were in favor of Assange uh, have been a regular feature outside the Ecuadorian embassy. They showed up here as soon as he was brought here. Uh, and they, there's an alternate view that he is not uh, a spy or somebody that has committed espionage, but rather a journalist uh, who's committed a radical act of transparency. Those folks will be making their message heard in this country, and they have some sympathy here. All right. And Terry, what do you think we should be focusing on? Your final thoughts? 
Well, I think David said it. That is the key to this entire case. What in our country, the First Amendment right to publish. Uh, what Julian Assange has famously said is information wants to be free. And that's what he's about. Now, we may be in this kind of postmodern age where it's hard to tell the difference, perhaps, between someone who's publishing, a journalist, and a vandal. Remember, uh, you know, Julian Assange published uh, stuff that, like Sarah Palin's family emails, for no reason other than that he could dox her. And if that's journalism, so be it. But it is, it is interesting that, that the, this age has enabled a very powerful, powerful way of getting information out, good and bad, that might or might not cross these lines. All right, uh, Terry, I want to thank you. I also want to thank David Wright. Thank you guys for those updates. All right, we're moving on to the weather. Have you guys ever heard of thunder snow? Yeah, neither have I. It's rare, but it happened yesterday in April. These completely apocalyptic scenes in parts of the Northwest. Uh, Record-breaking snow for this time of the year. So I want to go to Alex Perez in St. Cloud, Minnesota, working through another spring blizzard. Uh, Alex, uh, you look really cold there. What in the world is going on? <laughs> Well, you know, Kimberly, that might be the one good thing right now. Comparatively speaking, it's not that cold compared to other weather that we've had earlier uh, in the winter season. But check it out. This is spring in the plains and the upper Midwest right now. Uh, I want you to take a look at this tree. All this snow here, it's just building pretty much everywhere you go. And the biggest problem right now is the wind combined with this snow. You can probably see it blowing all over here. So it's creating, I want you to take a look down here, these drifts of snow. So you go somewhere and suddenly you run into five, six, seven, or eight inches of snow without knowing it because of the strong winds. Now I want you to take a look in the distance over there. That's actually an intersection, but the uh, visibility is so poor right now that it's hard to see the traffic lights. Um, cars moving through there, of course, have to be very, very careful. Anyone on the roads right now has to be very, very careful. Across Minnesota, officials are reporting more than 100 accidents already. And across the region, they're dealing with similar problems. In South Dakota, authorities uh, in some areas are telling people, stay inside, do not go outside at all. Schools here in St. Cloud, in Minneapolis, and in other uh, areas have been closed for the day, possibly even tomorrow. So there are a lot of problems that this <laughs> spring blizzard is causing, and it's gonna be a little bit before it actually makes its way out of here. Oh my goodness, I would definitely stay inside. I mean, that's a given. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much. Stay warm. It looks like it's cold even though you say it's not, but stay safe out there, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, so completely unusual, right? So I'm sure you wanna know what the rest of the weather's like in the rest of the country to see if this is gonna impact you. So no one better to break it down than ABC meteorologist Melissa Griffin. Yes. So happy you're with us because I can't believe this is going on right now. I mean, I just need to know where the storms headed to make sure I don't need my coat and my my snow gloves so. right so here in New York City we, we got lucky yes. it's really it's really for the plains in the Midwest they got a little bit unlucky this spring but you know it's not like it hasn't happened before Minneapolis saw their record-breaking snow for April just last year so they're actually on year number two with an April blizzard there so it, it really isn't too unusual but it is could be record-breaking in some spots when you come to snow amounts and the pressure for April for the month of April so it is a spring blizzard and it is you know it is moving across the midwest and plains and alex said he said it right there he said it is going to take some time for it to get through it's a slow mover how much so, time yeah so question we're, we're on day two of this blizzard <laughs> and we're going to go into day three tomorrow so the blizzard itself you know it is it's 
all part of this massive storm system that isn't just bringing a blizzard. Yeah. It's also bringing extremely high winds to the parts of the southwest and southern plains. We've seen a gust NATO in Colorado. We've, we're seeing severe weather. Can we talk weather. about these words? I mean, there's yes. bomb cyclone. There's thunder snow. There's gust NATO. What in the world? So that's all the kind of volatile weather you can see in the spring months. When you really have these clashing of two air masses coming together, that's when you can see the most dangerous weather that we see across our country. Like a gust NATO. That's when you have really strong winds along the cold front. We've seen those pictures of the gust NATO. 100 mile per hour winds in Pueblo, Colorado. And that's where we saw the gust NATO. We see thunder snow in Wisconsin. You see the bright lightning. I mean, it's during thunder snow is when it's thunder and lightning during the snowstorm. We've seen that there. So a lot of winter weather to talk about and it's all going to move across the Midwest and Plains right through Friday. All right. So is there is there any warm weather anywhere in the country? I mean, I'm just trying to see if anyone's uh, having a good time in the spring As of weather. right now on the East Coast, that's where you can see the most mild weather. We just have to be happy that we're not in the central part of the country. All right. You came with a little bit of good news. Thank you, Melissa. You're I appreciate welcome. it. All right, guys, uh, lots happening today. Today is the memorial for hip-hop artist Nipsey Hussle at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. And it's still very hard to believe that he was gunned down in front of his store almost two weeks ago. But he was loved and very much respected. And everyone is in mourning, but his own mother, Angelique Smith, provided some words of strength and encouragement. So take a listen. Please do not stay down. Do or not stuck. stay stuck. Many of them are stuck. Do not mourn because Nipsey is great. He is the great. He is the great. <laughs> and now he is even greater. Yes, he is. Because he has no bounds and no limits. His energy is everywhere. Can you imagine, I mean, what strength? So uh, I want to go to Ramina Puga, who is outside of the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Ramina, uh, can you give us an idea of the scene there now? Are people arriving? What's it like? Hey, Kim. Yeah, so guests already began arriving. I don't know if you can see them behind me, making their way into the Staples Center. And Nipsey Hussle's family just showed up. They're still pulling in, actually. You can't really see them behind uh, the barricades. Again, a powerful message by his mother yesterday. And they just pulled up a little while ago. The event isn't starting for a couple hours, but tickets to this event, free tickets for fans, family and friends, sold out in minutes. And we're not sure exactly how many tickets were sold, but this venue holds 21,000 seats. That's a lot of, of, of people coming to pay their respects for the Grammy-nominated rapper. And again, here a lot of security here. The city really showing out uh, a lot of respect for him. On my drive over here this morning, several billboards honoring him with uh, rest in power and pictures of him uh, bringing attention to the memorial service here today. So again, the city just really showing their love and respect for Nipsey Hussle today. And do we have any idea of who's going to be in attendance, like who's going to be performing at this memorial? So far, they've only said R&B singer Anthony Hamilton will be performing, but among other celebrities. So we'll keep you posted on, on who we see as they start arriving. All right, Romina, um, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be watching. It's at 1 p.m. Eastern time, correct? Mm -hmm. All right, Romina, thank you. All right, guys, uh, after that, I think we should 
talk about something that's a little more light. We have new details on the royal baby. Everyone's been on royal baby watch. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Meghan and Harry, are kind of doing things a little differently than royals have done in the past. So I want to go to James Longman in our London Bureau. Uh, James, I love this couple so much. They're so authentic. What's, what's the latest on this baby watch? Well, Kimberly, the short answer is not a lot. And I think that uh, tells you all you need to know, really, about Harry and Meghan. As you say, they like to do things very differently. And on this occasion, when it comes to their baby, they don't really want the public being too involved. So basically, the, the short answer is they're keeping the whole thing pretty under wraps. I, we got a statement from Buckingham Palace earlier today. It's pretty short, but I'll, I'll read it to you anyway. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are very grateful for the goodwill they have received from people throughout the United Kingdom and around the world as they prepare to welcome their baby. But their Royal Highnesses have taken a personal decision to keep the plans around the arrival of their baby private. Uh, and once they've had an opportunity to celebrate privately as a new family, then we'll get to see uh, if indeed it's a boy or a girl or basically any uh, of the details. You'll have seen when Kate Duchess Kate has had her children, her three children, George, Charlotte and Louis. There's always been a massive press gathering outside the public hospital here uh, in London. It's in West London. I was gathered there actually not that long ago for Louis's birth. And th there's a big spectacle because when a royal princess has a baby, she normally comes out on the steps of the Lindo wing of Paddington. Diana and, and Kate have done anyway, and they show off their baby to the world. On this occasion, that won't be happening. We've all been told to assemble in Windsor. so. Uh, we're wondering whether or not the baby might be, be, uh, be born there, but we have no details whatsoever. There have been some suggestions that she might even have a home birth. That's been doing the rounds in the press here, but there's absolutely no way of knowing whether or not that's true. Um, I think possibly unlikely given that she is a first-time mother, and that's a, uh, something that um, I think a lot of people don't want to take that risk because you're not close to all the medical help that you might need if something goes wrong. So basically, they're having it somewhere in this country and they will let us know as and when they've had it and maybe we can expect a picture on their instagram account who knows all right james well she certainly looks beautiful and to be honest with you i like the whole idea of privacy because they're still human beings you know so i think it's perfect yes yeah yeah so thank you so much we appreciate the updates <laughs> No All right, problem. guys, we're moving on. Uh, if you're a golf fan, then today is a great day for you. The time has come. The 2019 Masters are here. There's so many things to talk about and so many things I don't know about. So I want to bring in ESPN's Tom Rinaldi, who's live in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, Tom, I know you're excited. So tell me about where you are and what's happening today, the excitement. Well, we'll catch you up to speed right away, Kimberly, from royalty on the other side of the pond to the golfing royalty, if you will, here at Augusta National, of course, all eyes are trained on Tiger Woods. Incredibly, it has been 22 years since he won his first green jacket when he was just 21 years old. That all the way back in 1997. He has won three since, a total of four, but it has been a very long time now since Tiger Woods, 14 years incredibly, since he's won his last major championship. The question is, is he in position now after eight surgeries, after all he's gone through in a comeback to put himself into contention? teed off we could tell you that he parred the opening hole here which is very difficult Kimberly so his round is underway all eyes trained on Tiger all right before we get into other things I just want you to explain to people like what's so special about Augusta I know it's sort of a small town people show up all the time what's it feel like to be there 
Well, in the major championship rotation, there are four major championships in golf, Kimberly. The other three championships trade venues and switch venues and alternate them. The Masters is the only one which is staged at the same venue year in and year out. The 83rd staging here at Augusta National. And from people who have had the opportunity to, to play here, to players who play all over the world and come here, it is revered as perhaps the most spiritual and special place in the entire game of golf. Donning that green jacket rather than lifting a trophy, all of the other traditions that go along with it are singular in this sport. Wow, I like the word spiritual. That's getting kind of deep there. I love it. So, okay, if I'm, be <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, if someone was asking me about golf, the only name I know is Tiger. So if there's other people that we don't know about, who would they be and, like, who will we know by the time this tournament's over that we don't know now? Kimberly, it's... It's important that you're honest because I want our relationship to be rooted in truth. I think that's important here at the early stages. I can tell you that Rory McIlroy is also a person that people are paying a great deal of attention to, even casual sports fans. Why? Because for the fifth time, he's trying to complete something known as the career grand slam. Only five players in the history of this sport, and it's got a very long history, have ever done that, which is to win each of the major championships. Not yet 30 years old. He'll turn 30 here next month. He's trying for the fifth time to do that, carry all the pressure that comes along with it, not only for himself, for his country, for the European continent, etc. A lot of people paying attention to Rory McIlroy, who also just teed off here on one fairway behind us. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. And and I know there's not a bracket for golf, but if you were going to put like your top <laughs> your top four, your top three, who would they be just so I can be smart when I'm talking to people about it? I think the smart form pick for a lot of folks has been Justin Rose, who has finished as a runner-up twice in the last four years here, Kimberly. He's been a top-ten machine, and the one part of his game, putting, which is something you have to do on every single hole, no matter its shape, he's leading the tour in that metric and in that statistic, and that's traditionally been an area of weakness for him. So a lot of people looking at Justin Rose with a lot of expectation. He's a name I would drop to prove your knowledge. <laughs> and finally, I, I, just, I just need to know, who do you think is going to win the whole thing? Give it to me. I, again, with a relationship in its early stages that needs to be rooted in, honest, rooted in honesty, I'll tell you this. I'm horrific at prognostication. <laughs> I won't insult you by saying I know. I just hope it's going to be dramatic at the finish, and it typically is. All right, ESPN's Tom Rinaldi, thank you for all the information. I feel like I'm ready. Have a good time. Thank you. <laughs> all right, guys. So there we have it. The Masters are Thursday and Friday, and it's going to be on ESPN, so make sure you tune into that. And, of course, uh, I hope you're taking care of yourselves. And if you're around, you can go ahead and stick around because we're going to have the briefing room at 3.30 p.m. And then we'll have World News Prime at 8 p.m. And if you want to stay updated on all of these headlines, you can go to abcnews.com or download the app. Guys, I'm Kimberly Brooks. Thanks for joining us.